stopped, get him stopped. God and Moses both in a sidecar could not drive a sprint car with a thousand horsepower. I swear to God, he's done a double somersault backwards. My car will go past wide open. Uh, my 50,000 came in a Twinkie box. You know, I get my jollies off over looking at a nice car wash. You know he's going to crash your shit, but he's still, he's still got great stories. Oh, they disappeared. Oh, I'm leading. <laughs> I'm leading. <laughs> you plated your old ball sack and you just freaking let it eat. It's all goddamn assholes and elbows. And if you ain't right... They'll send your ass to the rear. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Open Red, the official podcast of the World of Outlaws, NOS Energy Drink Sprint Cars. As always, joining you today is Rob Blount, which is myself of Dirt Vision, and alongside of me, Nick Graziano, the PR guru, God King. I am here. He is. How are you, Nick? I'm not bad. How are you? I'm not bad. How was your weekend? Not bad. Had a good racing. Sure did. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. It was a really good weekend of sprint car racing. I enjoyed it. Uh, two new tracks. A lot of fun. Did you go to either of them? Uh, sadly, no. Uh, I had to watch from home. It was very weird. But were you still revved up on Saturday? I was revved up. Felt like I was there. It was great. It was awesome. Great coverage by Dirt Vision, of course. Thank you. Yeah. You know who didn't have that great of a weekend, unfortunately, it was Aaron Reitzel. But the weekend before that... He had a really good weekend, as really we touched good. about, or touched on on last week's episode, uh, winning in just thrilling fashion at East Bay Raceway Park, four in the fluff, corner after corner, lap after lap, putting on a show, super fun to watch. I think it blew everybody's mind. I think the first time you saw it, it was like, oh, well, he's lost it. There it goes. Wait, no, he's making it work? Yeah. What? How? Yeah, it was wild. And uh, we go into pretty good uh, detail on this uh, with... Aaron Reitzel joining us today, and if you listen to his Victory Lane interview after that win at East Bay, he name-dropped a person by the name of Gary Wright and said he learned how to do this by watching Gary. His icon. Yes, his icon, his idol. That's really the only two I words I can think of that fit that billing. You got anything else? You're the walking thesaurus. Time's up. He's got yep, nothing, nothing else. Uh, <laughs> so with that in mind, uh, our one of our, well, my boss, and I guess theoretically you would just call him your coworker, right? He's, I guess he's not really your boss. But Brian, Bri- Dunlap. Brian Dunlap, the guy who basically built Dirt Vision from the ground up here at uh, World, of, World of Outlaws and World Racing Group, said, hey, why don't you guys try to get Aaron on the phone and Gary on the phone and just have them talk to each other? So that's what we did, and that's what you're going to hear, and it was a ton of fun. Yeah, it was really cool, really cool conversation. It's cool to get those two together and talking, and uh, two Texans before we go to Texas this weekend, so Perfect timing. Yeah, so uh, we're just going to jump right into it because it was so much fun. We just don't want to save it, and uh, here you go. Enjoy. Gary Wright, Aaron Reitzel. Please take the name or number. One lap to go. Reitzel smooth through one and two, takes it down the back stretch for the final time. Aaron Reitzel will win the Outlaws return to East Bay Raceway Park. And here today on Open Red, we are joined by Aaron Reitzel and Gary Wright. Um, many might know or remember that name from Aaron mentioning uh, him in Victory Lane the other night at East Bay. Um, have you I talked about being a big idol? Have you two met? Is this the first time you've got to talk to each other? No, we've met before. We actually ran, uh, I ran the national tour one year with Gary. I think that was in 
2011. It could have been. I, I think he come out before that. I know uh, I had some family that live in Clute, and they said, hey, there's this kid coming out, and can you help him a little bit? And I remember him and his dad, they, they kind of struggled a little bit when they come out, and we helped them a little bit. We'd go to Strange Track, kind of get them on the right gear and such as that. But uh, uh, he doesn't need any help anymore. He's pretty good. <laughs> So, Gary, I don't know if you got the chance to, to watch Saturday night's race at, at Eddie's Bay that Aaron won, uh, won or if you heard his interview, but he basically you know, said that that night's race reminded him of, of watching you as a kid and, ha- and how much fun it was. Like, How cool is it for you to hear something like that? That is, that's really cool. I mean, basically I'm kind of forgotten about, which I should be. I've been gone now for almost 10 years. So, uh, but no, uh, East Bay, you know, the all-stars used to run there through the nineties and it was a sellout crowd every night. Why they quit going? I have no idea, but, uh, a lot of cars. I mean, there would be 65, 70 cars and, uh, you had to be pretty good just to make the show. And, we figured that place out, uh, just one of those deals. We tried this, tried that, and it all worked. And we're like, okay, we got it now. And uh, I know my daughter sent me the text about what he said, and I'm like, well, I did. I could. If you've got a loose enough car, you can run four wheels above the cushion, and you can be really fast because when they slow down and lap traffic, you can just drive right around them. And uh, he did exactly what uh, he should have done. Now, Aaron, like you said, you watched the video, saw Gary doing that. When you saw that, did you think it would still work for you? Um, did you uh, or just kind of go up there and say, well, we'll see, see what happens? Well, I was kind of looking at it all night. I mean, so even from hot lap, you know, it just kept building the ledge real low. And even, you know, they go out and try and pack it in, and it just kept building low. And um, it got to the point where it got slick below it, and – you know, that's when you start, like Gary, so you start getting in traffic, you start slowing down, and that's when you, get, you start throwing the nose and stuff. It just gets real hard to run. And and then uh, that I, that's what made me think of that video because uh, that's that's exactly what the scenario was that night. And, uh, I, kept, I kept looking at it and thinking about it, thinking about it. And um, one of the yellows, I just went up there and tried it before we went green. And, and I honestly thought it was just going to be a uh, – maybe something I could do in traffic uh, and uh, just had a trick up my sleeve or something. And, uh, you know, I went up there a couple laps before, uh, during the green, and it actually felt like I was carrying more speed up there. So for two people in, in Nick and I that have never sat in a sprint car, can you guys just explain how different, difficult, and I guess too, because it seemed like you had so much fun, how much fun it is to go and do something like that? Well, I know myself, when a car is really good, it's very easy to drive. It makes you pretty brave when the car will, when you want it to turn and it'll turn. uh, And that's the awesome feeling. You know, that track, I've helped kids there the last, in the last 10 years. And most everybody, they get their car so tight there, they think they're loose. So they tighten it up and they actually are going the wrong way. There, you've got to have a loose car so it'll rotate the turns because basically that track is a circle. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. I, I think that probably did help us um, Saturday to where we've been there, and I've, I've experienced that exact thing right there. You do you do have to be loose there to make speed. It's, uh, 
it's it's a weird the dirt is weird uh it it races weird uh, but yeah you have to always be rotating right and i know you mentioned uh Gary is always kind of like a, an idol to you. Was that when he first started helping you? Were you always a fan just watching him growing up, obviously both coming from Texas? I was always a fan for sure. Um, the helping part was just an absolute bonus. And uh, I think I actually did. I, I remember what Gary's talking about now. And he used to, uh, they used to come down and run the uh, Golf South Series a lot. And I was actually really fortunate that we had that series and we had um, – Actually, Jason Johnson's uncle and uh, parents ran the series, and because uh, we're really not known for sprint car racing in Texas, so I was really, really, really fortunate to have that series that I ran from. Um, I ran in '09 and '10 to really get me going, and you know we had Gary that would come down a lot, and Jason would come down a lot, uh, Rylett, Wayne Johnson. There's just they paid really well, so. Um, yeah, so I was fortunate to have that. And then, but no, I've always, I've always been a fan. Uh, like I said, my dad would, my dad told me stories about Big H Speedway when the big block modifieds would come down and Gary would race with them, and uh, you know, just kind of always kept track. And uh, I've always been a big fan. And then the part just of being from Texas makes it even more. Definitely. Now, Gary, being able to hear that from, like you said, you kind of forgotten, but obviously he's not forgotten. Is it cool just to kind of hear someone um, see you as their idol like that? It is. I mean, uh, I mean, the last several years, uh, I mean, Aaron's been the guy I pull for. I've been rooting for him with the All-Stars. Uh, you know, I remember, I think the last year he run the ASCS National Series, which he won the championship, and I was at Devil's Bowl helping a kid during the Winter Nationals, and he walked up to me, and he says, you know, he said, a lot of people seem to not like me anymore. And I said, do you know what that means? You're fast and winning a lot of races. So that's <laughs> that's a good thing. And the, the saying goes, as long as they're making noise, right? Exactly, exactly. But, yeah, the more you win, uh, the more half the people love you, the other half hates you. That's just how it is. <laughs> Now, when uh, Aaron, when Gary would help you, is there anything you remember him, maybe the best advice you remember getting from him? Oh, man. That's been a long time ago. (laughs) Or Gary, do you remember the best advice you gave to him that you think you gave to him? Oh, no. I mean, we would just help get them in the ballpark, you know, because every track they went to was a new track for them. So, you know, if you can say this is kind of the stagger we run here, this is the gear we run here, and, you know, this track, uh, feature time, it'll be on the bot. You know, it's just, you know, we had been there many times, so we could at least kind of tell him what we thought was going to happen. And, and like I say, they struggled a little bit, but then they got better and better. And then when he went back home and started winning a lot of races in the Gulf South, which was not an easy deal, and then once he come back to the national deal, well, he was ready then. Aaron, I'm going to ask you this, and I'm kind of going to ask both of you guys this one, but I want to go to you first, Aaron. Like, uh, what is your favorite memory or story of either working with Gary or watching him race uh, when you were growing up? You know, I, I honestly the the bit block modified one that was i thought that one was always really cool um the you know 
running, running uh, chili bowl, making the A main. Uh, just the the jumping around, like back in the older days, jumping in and in and out of different race cars. Not just not not has always just been a sprint car guy, and um, I've always I always enjoyed doing that jumping around, and I respect when you have success jumping around because it is it's so hard to do. Um, I've always thought that's been really cool. And, uh, the part where when I was, when, uh, I got to actually start racing with Gary, Gary was running around with just, it was always just him and another crew guy. And, you know, he never, it, he, at, at the end it was in his own stuff and was successful and, you know, didn't ever have like, a, a bunch of crew guys and was just show up and race guy. He, you know, he works on the stuff and I always really respected that. Gary, likewise, how about you, uh, your favorite Aaron Reitzel story or moment either from just watching him race or from when you guys work together? I like to say I am an Aaron Reitzel fan now. Uh, you know, I've always, him and his dad, I liked them. They were, it's a good family and I liked that. And, you know, and I, like I say, they struggled to start with. They went back, regrouped, got better, come back out. They were a lot better. And he has every year just gotten better and better and better. And, and you know, I mean, like I say, that's who I pull. And I look forward to seeing him here next month when they come to the Devil's Bowl. I will be there watching. Very cool. Very cool. Has there ever been, ever been uh, maybe a question you wanted to ask each other or something uh, that maybe you haven't got the chance to or just maybe – weren't sure you sure but like here's a perfect chance to <laughs> well i would like to know how it is with all them crew guys uh back when i raced it was kind of mean like he said one other guy and uh that's one reason i think it wore me out so quick i was just tired <laughs> but i wish i had a big crew like that but uh it was just never finances would allow for that you know two guys is about the most i ever had well when when I had my own team, one the most I ever had. <laughs> I know. Just fortunate for driving driving for these big teams or the Bachmans the last uh, three years, and now Dennis Ross. Just fortunate to be in this position. Aaron, you bring up uh, the Roth Motorsports team. A lot of legendary drivers have won in that car. How cool is it to? to have your name on that list as well. And, and this year to be able to just get a win at the box so fast. Uh, it's really cool. Um, you know, that they're one of the, one of the last, you know, teams that's been out here for, from the beginning that, you know, Dennis, I think done 25, um, years on the outlaw tour alone. So, uh, you know, I've been watching his car for a long time and like said, a lot of great drivers in and out of it. And, uh, it's uh, definitely a prestigious car that I'm really, uh, really blessed to be in. Now, Gary, obviously you've had some success with the Outlaws as well. Is there anything you look back at that um, you cherish the most and maybe uh, something you look back at and maybe even give more advice to today that maybe Aaron should be doing as a, in his rookie year? Oh, no, he's he's doing great. And the, I would like to say that the Roth Motorsports, they did the best thing they could do with let Aaron – have his cars and packages. There's so many drivers that go to teams and they're like, well, that may be what you used to do, but this is what we do now. And that's always a mistake. So they were very smart to let Aaron do his own thing. And that, 
that got them going faster a whole lot quicker but uh no that was a very smart thing for them Aaron, you mentioned watching Gary run the big block modified when those would come into town. And no, to... I didn't watch. Was, he was a baby. Was, I, think, <laughs> I think that was before my time. Gotcha. My bad. I misunderstood that. But uh, my question is, I mean, are we ever going to get a chance to see you in one of those? I'm, I would definitely I would definitely run one. They uh, That looks like the closest thing to a sprint car with fenders, so... I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind running one. Uh, a question I would. I would have is, uh, one, Gary, did you drive for did a, a, did you drive from like a New York team or something during that time or? No, in the South, dirt. You know, dirt up in New York. They called it dirt South here in the South, and they run uh, Shreveport, Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, Waco, all of those tracks, and. Uh, I think we may have shut the deal down because the last year Dirt South was running, there was 15 races. They would run on a Sunday night at a different track. There was 15 races. We won 13 and run second in the other two. So we had a pretty good run. Then I was building my own cars and building cars for other people. And uh, that was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. But I love the days when – I know in 1985, which this is many, many years ago, but uh, we won the dirt modified race in Texarkana, Arkansas. Saturday night, I drove the modified and a late model for a guy that lived in Shreveport, Louisiana. We won the late model feature that Saturday night. Then Sunday night, we went to Fort Worth, Texas at Cowtown Speedway and won in a sprint car. So three different nights, three different states, uh, and that doesn't happen a whole lot. No, I know more. Not anymore. Only only reason it would happen again if Kyle Larson tried to do it. <laughs> True. <laughs> now, Gary, I know that you um, made a start in NASCAR as well. Um, kind of talk about how that happened. And uh, I know, like you see, a lot of these guys kind of look towards that. Would you suggest that? something they should steer away from or, or even maybe try if maybe it helps you at all it back in that day it was a totally different deal in the it was around 1990 one of my sponsors action rent on mr white lived in dallas and he said i want to go do some asphalt racing he went to an auction in north carolina and bought it was the team selling out he bought a complete car ready to race it was a cup car um he brought it to my shop and we kind of looked at it like okay what are we going to do with this you know we didn't know anything about it so um we called arca and you had what you've got to run some arca races before they'll even let you get on the track with the cup guys so i run a few arca races uh we did okay uh i mean i would the motor i was running at the time was that was in that car was eight years old it was actually a motor the stravola brothers had when donnie allison drove the car back in the mid 80s so it was old equipment but uh we were do we would start 22nd in arca race and within 10 laps we were running top five so the mistake i made um robert yates which was a very good man had the uh, he had Davy Allison driving for him then. And he walked him, walked up to me at, at Charlotte and he said, uh, I would like to put one of my motors in a car for you. He said, I think 
you might be able to do this. And I said, well, Robert, I don't have a Ford. If I did, I would love that opportunity. But uh, it just didn't pay anything. I mean, the la- the cup race I run in Pennsylvania in 92, maybe, we broke a rear end, got up to 11th at one time, broke a rear end, I finished 32nd, and it paid $5,000. <laughs> well, I mean, I was making more money in that running my sprint cars. So uh, I'm like, this is not a good deal. But if I would have hung in there, you know, Davey got killed later on that year in a helicopter crash. But something might have happened if I would have stayed there, but it was just like, I got better things to do. So shouldn't have done it, but I did. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Aaron, do you, are you full sprint car? You only committed to that. Do you have any aspirations to try NASCAR or anything like that? Like Gary? Uh, no, I mean, I'm 30. So I think that's kind of came and gone. Um, I'm, I think my plan is is I, w- I want to retire in late models. I, I think that would kind of be cool. Um, you know, they have a lot of big paying races, and um, I think that would you just I think you just see a lot more. At the end of the day, they just see a little bit. I feel like a flicker and uh, something good to retire on. I should say so, racetrack wise. So I think that's kind of what I'd like to try to do. Okay, if you're already looking at the retirement plan, then how much longer, or how much further down the road are we looking? How many years down do you think? I don't know. I just play it by ear and see how things go. Okay, cool. Because we still love having you in the sprint car world, is what I'm getting at. No, no, I hope that's years down the road. Perfect. I'm hoping to probably be in my fifties or something at that time. Oh, plenty of time. We still have you in the sprint car world, and that works for us here. Very cool. I guys, unless you have anything else, I, I think we're all set at this point. That was an awesome conversation. We're so glad that we could get you both on the phone at the same time. Yeah, thank you for having us. That's pretty cool. Yes, thanks a lot, and uh, good luck this weekend, Aaron. Go get them. Thank you, Gary. Look forward to seeing you at Devil's Bowl. All right, you too, buddy. Nick, I don't know about you, but that was a really fun conversation to just kind of sit in on, sit in on, and be a part of. And every once in a while, just throw some questions their way and uh, hear what they had to say. And honestly, the mutual respect between the two of them was really cool as well. Yeah, it's really cool when the person you look up to is a big fan of yours as well. It's it's like you know, like you said, it's he grew up being a big fan of Gary and now Gary's watching him and being a big fan of him. So it's really cool to hear those two just kind of share their, their love for racing, their enjoyment of watching each other, working with each other. And I'm pretty sure everybody wants to see Aaron Reichel in a big block and late model now. Yes. Aaron with any sort of fenders, I feel like would just be one hell of a show. But the good thing is he said, he's still got quite a few years still left in him in a sprint car so we get to keep him in our world uh for a little while longer thankfully you i know, mean there is this thing called world finals where we have sprint cars and late models and big blocks i true. mean a three p i think aaron let's do it let's I, get this going I, I feel like we have the ability to arrange that and i feel like we need to get on that yes you know the other cool thing that i enjoyed out of it was hearing you know in the beginning gary mentioned how he felt like he was probably, in his words, forgotten about, and he even said, and for good reason, because I haven't raced in forever, but it was cool to know that he is 
definitely not forgotten about. Oh no, and, and Aaron made sure to make that known. Yeah, especially even with, especially with that inter uh, his interview. I bet you bet you bet you uh, people were googling Gary Wright. Who's Gary Wright? Now you get yeah. to hear from him too, and he's a really cool guy. Just super down to earth. It's cool. Like I said uh, beforehand, it's cool to get two Texans talking before we go to Texas uh, this coming weekend at Cotton Bowl. Absolutely, and uh, you know Nick. Shifting gears a little bit here, we're halfway through the month of March, and it's been madness. It has been madness this past weekend, especially. Um, as you said, March is known for its its madness. It's also known for uh, a sport that has brackets and and at least at least one ball, maybe that, two, maybe two, but at least one that they play with. Uh, but as I said, brackets and you know. The odds of getting a perfect bracket, I think, are like, you're probably going to get struck by lightning like three times in your life before you actually get a perfect bracket in one of those like ESPN challenges or something. I've definitely been closer to being struck by lightning than getting one of those brackets, right? Yeah, yeah, same. And that's okay because your bracket isn't supposed to be perfect. But with the Manscaped performance package, you can be confident that your nose, ear, and other hairs will be perfect, Nick. That's like a perfect bracket right there. Right? Exactly. Win, win, win. It is. The Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle and number one overall seed this season. Not North Carolina. Not Virginia. Not Duke, who I don't even think is eligible to play. Nope. Not in it. Instead, it's the Manscaped Performance Package. That is the number one overall seed this season in 2021. And you know what else is great? It actually gets to happen this year. Uh, it's not being canceled because of COVID, which sucked. But even still, I bet you last year the Manscaped Performance Package was still the number one overall seed, because well, you could get. I mean, that they've last got year. quite the lineup starting for them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They have. Let's just run through it real quick. Starting center, we'll say, is the Weed Whacker, the ear and nose hair trimmer. It provides. Proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, hey Nick, hey. and tugs in those super delicate holes. Which, let's be real, the last place you want to get a snag or a tug or any anywhere is inside your nose. That would suck. The bundle also includes a starting point guard, the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for just about anywhere you would need to use a trimmer. It checks every box for a run to the final four. And also, let's not forget that included in the performance package is the crop mop. Do you know what the crop mop is? Tell me. They're wipes. They're basically body wipes to make sure that you stay cool and refreshing, and it helps you hit your peak for male hygiene and take extra care where it matters most. And the best part about talking about what matters most is a portion of your purchase, the proceeds from your per- Oh, my goodness. I can't speak today, Nick. A portion just so of excited your purchase goes to the Testicular Cancer Society because Manscaped has partnered with uh, Los Angeles Lakers player Alex Caruso to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Manscaped is committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men ages 15 through 35. We're right in that mix, Nick. We should probably go get checked. Yep. And uh, also giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. 
If you go to manscaped.com, you get 20% off plus free shipping if you use the code OPENRED at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code OPENRED because when things get hairy, make sure to call on Manscaped in clutch time. With all that said, Nick, I think we can move on and talk about all of the news and notes and happenings that went down in the sprint car world, specifically the world of Outlaws world, this past weekend. That was madness in the best part possible. The rev specifically yes. was just absolutely outstanding. Insane. So much fun. What did Brian Walker, uh, the PR director of the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series, say on Saturday night? What do we have? 16 unofficial lead changes, and I think I think it was 13 or something like that. In a thir- 25 or 30 lap race on a 3 8 mile track that went caution free, no less. Yeah, it was. Terrific racing. You know, first, Casey Kane having such a strong night, strong weekend in general. And um, then Gravel taking the lead, then Brad catching him, and those two just going back and forth and at it and just slightly, just ever so slightly missing lap traffic, just inches apart from them. Just Like three times. Yeah. The show that Sweet and Gravel put on was just spectacular. I mean, we're five races into the season now? That was five, right? Yep. We're five races in and honestly it's gonna we're gonna be hard pressed to get a race that's gonna be better than that throughout the rest of the year. I know we've got some really fantastic places and races coming up throughout the rest of the season, but it's gonna be hard to top what we saw Saturday at the Rev. It was yeah, it was so good. It was just so much strong racing all around. I mean, even if you look just at all the drivers in the field, like I remember when they were doing the lineup and you saw guys like uh Gio Selzy and Wayne Johnson and Craig Kenzer and um, I forgot who else, but someone else pretty strong starting in the back, and obviously they made their way forwards too, but it just showed that there's so much talent from first down to 24th. It's like you, you don't know who's going to do what, how, what's going to happen, where. It's just, it's just great. It was, it was awesome, and you touched on to Casey Kane. Uh, Casey Kane the night before at Magnolia Motor Speedway, another new track for the World of Outlaws, finished in top five. That Believe it or not, that is Casey Kane's just his second top five in his World of Outlaws career, and it comes 18 years, 19 years after the last one. I think the other one was in 2002 at the yeah. King's Royal. I mean, and, and then he, he just missed it. He finished sixth on Saturday night, just finished going from between 19 years in between top fives to just, just one night. I feel like Morgan to come, though. He's been so strong this year. It's cool to see him do so well in that nine car. I'm sure James McFadden's just itching to get in that car now. Or his anxiety is through the roof. <laughs> yeah. Is he going to let me back in that yeah, car now? When he comes to America, do I even have a ride? Or is Casey going to stay in it? Because honestly, can you blame Casey at this point if he just says, I'm staying in the car, James, sorry? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd want to, but I I, I think... We, you know, all, we all know that Casey yeah. is the consummate professional and he's not going to do that. He's not going to back off on his word on that. But I mean... He's having the best run right now this season through five races that he's ever had in his in his previous World of Outlaws Sprint Cars career. I, I think it also just sh- shows a testament of that KKR team, of how strong sure. they are in general. Just that 49 car and 9 car. Obviously, there's nothing lost having two cars on the road at the same yep. time. For them. It's, it's Maybe it's even helping them even more now. One and two in their heat race. Uh, Casey wins the dash, both of them in the dash. Brad goes from, what do you go, from sixth or, I think, sixth up to finish second. Casey goes from the lead to finish sixth over the course of the feature. 
Really, really strong performance out of them. Uh, so that was Saturday night at the Rev, Revolution Park in Monroe, Louisiana, a new track to the Outlaws schedule, which I hope becomes a mainstay. The night before, as I mentioned, was Magnolia Motor Speedway, which was also a new track. Which Your jinx I was hope, broken. Thank God. I felt so bad through four races for Sheldon Hoddenshield. I said he's going to score the most wins, and he's going to win the championship right here on this show uh, with our se- in our season preview with Johnny Gibson and... The first four races were just nightmarish, and I just I, I was basically just wanting to go into the the back room where we keep all of our tapes of old races and just hide <laughs> because I figured after one of these races, as nice of a guy as Drew is, he's fantastic, but I wouldn't have blamed him if he just hopped on a plane and came to Concord and just tried to throw me in a dumpster outside because I put the kibosh on their season. So I heard he's really. buying plane tickets, but he canceled them when they won that race. Thank so you're God. safe. You're safe. Thank God. Drew, when I see you in person, I'll just apologize to the whole team. But I still think, I still stand by my prediction. We're only five races in. He's now got a win. Uh, he's up to. Seventh in points, fifty-four back, which he's he's just steadily been climbing back up. So, thank God, it's nice to see them running well again. And that that was a cool cool race too on on Friday at Magnolia. I hope both of those can somehow become mainstays on the schedule. Uh, and I'm so glad that the plug wasn't pulled on those two races outright when they got rained out, and that they were rescheduled and made up because they were just two fantastic races. Yeah, it's nice that we're getting these southern swings in and getting to go to new places and expose outlaws to new fans. And uh, the, both of those were packed. It was awesome to see the, all the fans be able to come out there and enjoy those races. That's the best thing that you mentioned there, too, is I feel like so frequently, like when the schedule comes out and you try to put like a southern swing in, excuse me, so many people are like, well, why are we going to these places in the south? The south isn't sprint car country. It's late model country. Well, there's only one way to get it to be sprint car country, and that's go race sprint cars there. And we put on two, we saw two fantastic shows on Friday and Saturday in front of packed grandstands, and those people are going to want to come back the next time that we hopefully go back to those places, and hopefully they'll bring their friends and pack the place out even more. And then suddenly you do that a couple years in a row, and now those places, Monroe, Louisiana, and Columbus, Mississippi, are sprint car country. Yep. That's the best case scenario if you want to keep growing the sport. And we had two fantastic races for that, thankfully. So if we're looking at Friday, uh, Magnolia Motor Speedway, as I said, Sheldon Hoddenshield got the win. Finishing second, Logan Schuhart. Third was Brad Sweet. Fourth was Donnie Schatz. And fifth, uh, the aforementioned Casey Kane. That's Friday's race at Magnolia Motor Speedway. That's the top five from there. Moving ahead to Saturday night, as we said, David Gravel got the win over Brad Sweet. Donnie Schatz finished in third. Logan Schuhart with another top five, and Sheldon Hoddenshield backs up his win from the night before with a fifth-place run, and Casey Kane finished in sixth, just missing his second straight top five. So if we take a look at the points, leading the points right now is the 1S of Logan Schuhart, just two points ahead of the two-time and defending series champion Brad Sweet. 20 points back from Logan is David Gravel, Saturday night's winner. 22 points back from Logan Schuhart is Donnie Schatz in fourth. Carson Macedo is in fifth, 40 points back. And then you go another 14 points to a tie between Corey Elias and Sheldon Hoddenshield, both 54 points back. Aaron Reitzel, 66 points back. Casey Kane, 82 points back. And Jacob Allen rounds out the top 10, 108 markers behind his teammate. Logan Schuhart. And how about this? Actually, it's six races in. We've been going so fast already, uh, but we've had six different Oops. winners in six races now. I can't believe we're already at six. I really thought it was still five. But as we've gone over before, 
if it's not directly spelled out for me, which actually it is, there's a category on our points page that says started six, but my math is just terrible. And my memory is also shot too. So I really thought it was five. Oh, we've got a lot of racing in just like this, just going, going, going. So, which is great because we had that like three to four weeks off with just terrible rain and weather and, and bad circumstances. Nice to see us get in rhythm now and actually get going. Exactly. Uh, you're right. Six different winners, six, six races. Do you think that trend continues at Cotton Bowl this weekend? I think it can. I mean, it could be. Donnie still hasn't won yet. I mean, we still got to get that Donnie win in there. Um, Casey Kane could pull off a win. You know, you never know. A lot of these guys that are showing up, it could be, we could see that seventh different winner in a row. We got a doubleheader at Cotton Bowl. So you never know what could happen there. Yeah. I mean, Corey Lyson's been really strong. There's a reason why he's sixth in the points. He could pull off a win. I don't think that would really surprise anyone. Uh, Donnie is still chasing win number 300. Honestly, I kind of thought it was going to come at one of these two races this past weekend. But I also thought it was going to come like the night after he got win 299 at the National Open last year. I think that was what, 299, right? Yep. Yeah. So I thought it was going to come by now, but it's coming. It's inevitable. We all know that. It's just a matter of when. I mean, he was he was so strong this weekend. You can tell it's, like you said, it's inevitable. It's going to happen this year. It's going to be really cool when that happens. Just be just the, the third to join the 300 club. That'll be cool. Yeah, just to be on that list. I mean, I know to him he's accomplished so much already, and it's another win, another win to him. But still, just I think for fans in general, it would just be cool to have that, just that next level. Yeah. And we've got two guys chasing win number 60. In David Gravel and Brad Sweet, they're both at 59. Uh, David's 59th came on Saturday at the Rev. Who do you think, I know we made our preseason predictions, but who do you think now that they're deadlocked at 59 gets 61st? Do you think David does it or Brad does it? That's actually really tough. I mean, they're both so good right now. I th- I'm going to say Brad. I think he is a little bit more just because he's a little bit more comfortable with this team and they have their notes. David's with not that obviously not that really means anything. He just won this weekend with his team, but um, I think it's going to be Brad. I think, I think I agree with you. And by the way, the other thing we haven't touched on because he had a, we, I kind of glossed over it there in, in fifth in points now is Carson Macedo 40 points back, which is that's close to a full race, right? Just about. It's really close to a full race back, and it's amazing what two races does for you because a week ago he was the points leader. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then he has a bad night early on in the feature at Magnolia, comes to a stop on the front stretch, and now here we are 40 points back. I mean, that's another thing. I think we're going to see a really good points battle this year again. Yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of guys swapping to lead back and forth, back and forth. Right. Might have, I think we had kind of like three guys battling for the most of the year. We might have four or five guys throughout the whole year this year now. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm trying to find where Carson finished on Friday night. The uh, the issue that he had ended up putting him 24th on Friday night. And on Saturday, he rebounded to finish 7th. But that goes to show you what one bad night does. Because a 7th is still a, a strong run. And yet he's still 40 points yeah. back of the leaders. Now I think it's worse that. to get a DNF early on in the season. Because you haven't. You haven't been able to build up that point cushion. Right. There's no buffer. To, but know. the fortunate side is there's plenty of time to oh, rebound, yeah. at least. We still have got 
more than 80 races to go. Yep. Heck, we saw last year in the, what was it, June? I think it was. Uh, Brad have three nights in a row. Three nights in a row. Yeah, four overall, but yeah, three in a row. And then still was able to come back and, and win the championship. So at least there's plenty of time for Carson Macedo and the uh, Jason Johnson racing team to be able to rebound. So that's good. Uh, as we said uh, at the start of the show, we had two Texans on this week, and that was kind of perfect timing because we're going to Texas this weekend to the Cotton Bowl Speedway in Page, Texas for the two-night Texas two-step. It's the Dryden Texas two-step presented by American Lube Supply. Nice job getting those sponsors in. I don't know if I've ever seen a race from Cotton Bowl Speedway, to be honest with you. I feel like it's gotten either rained out or coronavirus out. I've seen the track. I've been to the track twice. I've yet to see a race there yet. So I'm very <laughs> excited to see racing at Cotton Bowl this weekend. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it yet in the two years that I've been here. It would be really cool to actually see a race here. Weren't we, didn't we like just start unloading last year when the plug was pulled? Was that at Cotton Bowl? Or was yeah, that-, that was at Cotton Bowl where, when we found out the world was going to shut down for a while. We were all pretty much all set, ready to go. Then all of a sudden you see NASCAR. You were there, right? Yeah, we were there. We were at the so track. So what was and- that like? Like, what was what was the general day like in, in, in the morning? Like, did, did you did you wake up? Did everyone wake up kind of expecting that this was going to happen? Or were, were you thinking, hey, we're going to race tonight? Yeah, I think we all thought we were going to race tonight. We knew, like, things were kind of starting to ramp up a little bit with things closing down and some things happening on with the world. We knew stuff was going on. And um, but then the next day, I think it was, oh, wait, NASCAR just canceled today. Um, oh, IndyCar is canceling. Oh, so-and-so else was canceling. And so, like, we were there, like, kind of preparing to race, but in the back of our minds, we're all like, well, are we? And I know conversations obviously were happening uh, behind closed doors, and then eventually the word came out, like, yeah, we're not racing. We're at least taking the week off, and we thought, well, all right, we're taking a week off. We'll be back in maybe a couple weeks or so, and then obviously the world shut down for two months. Because it was kind of like at that point when NASCAR stopped and IndyCar stopped. I think IndyCar even got on track in in Florida, and then they stopped after their first practice. It's kind of like... At the very least, okay, we have to stop this weekend because it would look ridiculous if we raced this weekend when everything else stopped. But like you said, we'll at least be back a week, two, maybe three weeks from now. But Yeah, I don't think anybody expected that we would racing wouldn't happen for two months and we'd be iRacing yeah, instead. Yeah, I was going to say, next thing you know, we're racing on the computer screens, and which in itself was kind of cool because we ended up with a lot of our guys finding a way to set things up. Like I think at first... Logan, for example, started off with a, just a basic setup, and next thing you know, they're taking the chassis of one of their old race cars and mounting monitors to yeah, it, really and a computer cool. in it, and putting pedals inside of it, and a, a different kind of steering wheel, and he's racing in, in that. And then there was another night where they drove down from Pennsylvania, literally did a round trip from, from Hanover and back to come down here to race on our rig up here for one of our live shows, I think on... I think that was one of the CBS shows that we did, actually, and he won that night. Which, which is really cool that fun. we got to be on CBS and yeah. kind of expose people to I, th- I think a lot brought a, a lot of new fans to showcase the drivers a little bit more and uh, on a new platform. And I think once we got back real racing, it's like, oh, I want to see what these guys are like in a real sprint car, not just a virtual one. Yeah, it gave us cool possibilities, but it's what is what a surreal time to think that we're already at the, the year mark of this and 
te- technically, I guess, past the year mark of it. But, you know, we're back at Cotton Bowl, the exact site of where everything came to a stop for the World of Outlaws last year. Did you get the chance when you were there to talk to any drivers or, or team members when you were in the pits? Or were you just mostly in the Outlaws Command Center that time? Like, what was what was their reactions like when they found out from Carlton and Mike that we were stopping? Yeah, they weren't there yet. I think Carlton probably sent out... I think in the morning, I think we knew um, something was going on, obviously, in the world. Uh, well, we knew ahead of time. Um, but we knew things were starting to get a little more serious. Um, and I think Carlton might have sent out a message to the teams, like, just hold out, stay at your hotels, like, hang on, and we're we're kind of talking things over. I remember I was in the truck, uh, just getting, like, um, promotional tweets ready, like, hey, it's race day, and things like that, and I was about to send one out, and I got a message, like, oh, hold off on all promotional tweets. So we're like, oh, well, something's going on here. Then you see the stories of NASCAR's canceling, and so-and-so is canceling. Um, then we got there, and then Carlton kind of gathered everybody, all the officials together, and said, yeah, we're um, taking at least this week off and see, kind of go from there and see what happens. So what did you personally end up doing when when the decision was made to stop after you got all of your 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 press materials finished and sent out? Did you end up driving back with the rest of the officials? Did you I mean, air travel basically stopped. Were you able to hop a flight back to New York? Did you come back here? I don't even remember. Uh, so I'm actually trying to remember myself. So what I did was I caught a ride with the Dirt Vision truck. Uh, we had to drop the Dirt Vision trailer off at Knoxville. So we drove up from Texas to Knoxville. Then we went from Knoxville back to North Carolina. I think I stayed here in North Carolina for a couple of days. Then I went home to New York before because I wasn't living here at the moment. So I went uh, back to New York and uh, stayed in New York and just worked from there for remotely for two months. That had to be a weird adjustment for you who's... <laughs> you're used to working out of the, the the lounge area of a hauler and hotel rooms to suddenly you're back stuck in a house in New York yeah like at your house because this is the point where they're like nobody leave your house so it's like no one was really leaving and like you go out only when you really needed to so you're just stuck in your house watching i racing and writing stories but it actually kind of led to a lot of cool stories like i got to talk with dave blaney and sammy swindell and we we did those dirt vision um watch parties yep. which was really cool so it, it kind of brought out a lot of cool things that we got to do too but yeah glad that we're actually really racing instead now yeah thankfully we are back and we're back as we said at cotton bowl a year later and this time knock on wood unless mother nature decides to to mess with us which i don't i don't i don't think that's going to be the case we're actually going to be racing at cotton bowl speedway and i'm really looking forward to it yeah to try to earlier you know they brought the snow and they tried to cancel it earlier, but we're like, no, we're racing at Cotton Bowl this year. We're doing it. We're doing it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be live on Dirt Vision, presented by Dryden. You can watch, as I always say, excuse me, if you get your Platinum Fast Pass for the year or you get your monthly Fast Pass, get one of those two options, you're good to go. Or if you can make it to the race and you don't have tickets yet, worldofoutlaws.com, get your tickets there because we're racing at Cotton Bowl Speedway, and you're not going to want to miss it. Definitely not. Nick, I think that's pretty much it for today. I think we covered everything we can. It was a fun, fun episode. It was. I enjoyed having Gary Wright and Aaron Wright's along. I know you did as well. Thank you to both of them for joining us. Uh, hopefully all of you out there uh, enjoyed today's show as well. And We'll be back next week with another fun one. Uh, we 
I think you just finished finalizing our guest for that one. I, I did. Think that'll be. We've got a really fun guest for next week. Yeah, that'll be really fun. I'm looking forward to that one. We'll just say he's been running really well late, lately, and uh, we talked about him a little bit throughout the show. Maybe we mentioned his name. Maybe he's been in here already. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So you'll you'll find out next week. But until then, my name is Rob Blount. His I'm Nick Graziano. Nick Graziano. We will catch you later. Enjoy the racing from Cotton Bowl Speedway this week. Bye-bye. Hashtag open red.